It is that time when we check in with our friends over at Blacklocks Reporting, where, of course, they dig between the headlines and get all those juicy little nuggets that don't get the attention they deserve, but they really should because they are quite juicy. No one doing it better these days than Mr. Tom Korski, who is the managing editor over at Blacklocks. Hello there, sir. Hi, Alex. I don't know if this would surprise those in Ottawa, but I think it would surprise a lot of people to realize or hear that the ethics commissioner, Mr. Mario Dion, did not even bother to interview the prime minister uh, in the whole we charity investigation because, well, an affidavit is good enough. I'm not sure Canadians would agree with that, even though other prime ministers may have also gone down that road. He had interviewed uh, the Prime Minister twice before on two other investigations, but not this time, because as you mentioned, he'd said, well, I had a lot of documentation in concluding, as he did, that the Prime Minister did not breach the Conflict of Interest Act when he voted to approve a $43.5 million grant to We Charity, which had Mm. paid members of his family $480,000 in free trips, benefits, gifts, and talent fees. He said an affidavit was just as good. It's interesting that lawyers have different opinions on this, and he's a lawyer and apparently has his own. Uh, You know, Alex, I've been uh, on the receiving end of questions under oath, and I've directed Mm -hmm. counsel to interview other people under oath. And it's just my opinion, an affidavit is not the same. You don't see facial expressions. You don't have spontaneous questions. And everybody does better on the test when they get the questions in writing in advance. MPs were somewhat incredulous, as one Quebec member said. You believe the prime minister in his written statements, and that's why you found him innocent. And that's exactly what happened. Right. But but Democracy Watch, as you may or may not know, I mean, they are appealing this decision because they they, you know, Duff Conacher said, how on earth could he not have been found you know, in conflict of interest when he admitted himself right at the outset? At the very least, he is guilty of just that. So there's still a lot of murkiness around it. I don't know if this will get the attention that it once did because everyone's like got a million things on their their plate. But again, there's just a lot of murkiness around this. The Democracy Watch appeal to the Federal Court of Appeal is interesting, isn't it? Because uh, the the group has said, look at this decision is a template for influence peddling. Just just, just putting aside the prime minister and we charity for a moment. Right. Uh, Democracy yeah. Watch has said what the ethics commissioner has basically concluded is if you think you're going to wind up in cabinet, you definitely want to get your family members out there and rack up as many six-figure payments as you can from federal contractors so that when the day arrives that you vote to uh, approve work for these contractors, you can mm-hmm. either forget to recuse yourself or have the staff do it. You know, uh, this is a G7 (laughs) country. (laughs) You you, you couldn't do that with a snowplow contract at City Hall. It's a problem, Alex. Yes, your heavy sigh speaks volumes. Nonetheless, uh, we will see where it goes. Um, let's dig into the the documentation that you guys um, opened up and, and <laughs> made a real uh, noise with it. But the opposition MPs on the Commons Health Committee, they're, they're the ones who are demanding and are supposed to get these 992,000 pandemic records. And that was, of course, by House order. So it's not like the Prime Minister or the Trudeau government has a choice. They have to hand over these 992,000 documents. You guys got your hands on just 
8,000. And just from those alone, we were able to glean that there were all sorts of like infernos burning of where money was spent. And, you know, we're only a couple of well, a few months away from an election, possibly, and we are now going out on summer break with the House. And so I, I, I assume that the whole strategy here is rag the puck as long as possible. Exactly. And uh, MPs on that committee have said, look, we want the chief clerk of the Privy Council. So this is the number one person in the entire federal public service, uh, over a quarter million of them, the chief of the Privy Council, chief clerk, number one guy. We want him in for questioning on June 7th to explain what it is about a House order that he doesn't understand. As you mentioned, Alex, the less than 1% of records disclosed pointed to pandemic mismanagement on an epic scale by the public health agency, as well as favoritism and contracting cost a lot of money. That was in 8,000 records. What would the other 992,000 hold, asked MPs rhetorically. They want some answers. There's no doubt, uh, Alex, the minute that uh, an election is called, those records vanish. It will take a change of government or a, another motion by another parliament to get where they are today. And they're fed up. MPs are fed up. Well, with- yeah, that, that's assuming that the old uh, double delete hasn't been used or a nice paper shredder, should they still have a few laying around in Ottawa. But that, that's, a, that's a problem. You know, like uh, th- those are our documents. We should have access to them. But it's like the, the gas plant uh, scandal. You know, you, it drips and it drips and it drips until you have just enough to get them. But still, the bulk of the story was never truly known. Um, and, and I'm sure that the 8,000 documents that you guys got your hands on are probably uh, the best they could find. So Lord knows what else they've got. MPs were sputtering in committee. I mean, this is uh, conservative bloc members, New Democrats, saying, you know, th- this is still supposed to be a functioning democracy. Dad gummit. That was a House order on October 26th. It went to a vote and cabinet lost the vote and the vote was hand them over. Right. And 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 they've all of a sudden it became the most complicated chore, and they looked and searched and oh, what, is it June already? It all of a sudden got unbelievably complicated. That is puck ragging on an epic scale. No kidding. Um, Natural Resource Minister Seamus O'Regan can't seem to figure out what his job is, um, but he does note that it's really important how plastics are. And he was talking at this Natural Resource Committee, but completely unaware that uh, the industry has filed a lawsuit against his own government for listing plastic manufacturing items as toxic. How can this, I mean, I've always wondered how he has failed up, like upwards all the time. He is one of the most incompetent ministers, but how does he not know that there's a lawsuit against his own government on this? I guess he's not listening to the radio, reading the internet, or buying any newspapers. He did discover that plastics <laughs> are made from uh, uh, oil derivatives, and <laughs> okay, that he is the minister who's somewhat responsible for oil. He did tell the committee plastics are really important, and we certainly found that out this pandemic. When asked uh, what he had done in terms of speaking to industry and whether he was aware of the lawsuit, said, what, law what? (laughs) It was filed in the federal court two weeks ago. This is Imperial Oil, Nova Chemicals, Mm -hmm. uh, a coalition of literally scores of uh, manufacturers, refiners who have challenged the listing of all plastic manufactured products from toys to textiles as mm-hmm. toxic in Canada. That's a first. They challenge that as not scientifically based, as politically motivated, and uh, almost incomprehensible. 
it was news to the Minister of Natural Resources. I, I, I guess he was busy on something else. Yeah, well, yeah. Providing cover for his BFF, the Prime Minister likely being one of those. Quickly, I want to talk about this because this some. Um, I don't know if this is going to sit well with a lot of people because to me it just sounds like a, a day off. But the Commons has unanimously passed this bill to designate September 30th as a paid holiday for 1.3 million federally regulated employees. This is to proclaim a national day for truth and reconciliation. This is only going to be for federal employees. But, you know, with the finding of a mass grave of little children, hundreds of them and likely hundreds more in this country, um, I'm not sure a day off is uh, a paid day off for this is what and how we're going to find the reconciliation. Uh, th that bill will pass uh, the Senate. It just has to clear the Senate. It will do so very quickly. Uh, this bill goes back uh, two, three years, was originally a New Democrat private bill. As you mentioned, in light of recent events, it's inconceivable that anyone will speak up against that bill, and no one has to date. Those federally regulated industries, by the way, we're, we're talking yeah. banks, airlines, they'll say it'll cost us uh, uh, $600 million, and it's not obvious that it will become a moment of reflection. But um, the, the bill will pass, and it is uh, has high symbolic value. It's not obvious what it does to correct the historic issues that every MP knows about. Right. It's like Remembrance Day. It's got to mean something. It can't just become a day off. Um, if you truly want to have the day off, I mean, I, to me, I always look at these things and say, make it a day of education in our schools, you know, where you are to learn about it. Otherwise, you know, it's not a day just to take off so you can relax and watch Netflix. Well, and as you mentioned, the vast majority of uh, workers in our country are provincially regulated. That's like 98 percent. And they will not have September 30th off for a moment of reflection. Right. So therefore, it all just becomes symbolic, but it means very little. All right, Tom, we will chat with you again on Wednesday, and I will look very much forward to seeing what else you've dug up. No, thank you very much, Alex. Thank you, sir. Tom Korski with Blacklock, supporting a subscription-based magazine out of Ottawa worth every single penny.